In this podcast, I'm going to talk about the whole book of Isaiah, and uh, we're going to start in Isaiah 1. Isaiah 1 is primarily admonishments, and many of these admonishments are unknown in the earth, predominantly because they haven't happened yet in the earth entirely. They have, uh, but there are also new things I'd like to share with you. Uh, in verse 1, uh, it says the vision of Isaiah. And that's important because when we think of a prophet, we often think a prophet is a man who speaks the word of God. Maybe he heard God's word and then he uh, spoke it and wrote it down. And uh, I like to say personally that a prophet, because I know uh, many prophets uh, as the Messiah, I know Isaiah. And uh, he's an extremely skilled speaker and he'll be in the earth soon again. And I like to say a prophet is someone who speaks God's word perfectly. But here it says the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos. Now it's important to me because this isn't just a, um, a, a word that Isaiah heard. Uh, it's also a vision. And since it's the first verse in this chapter, we might think this chapter is a vision, but we also might think the entire book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters, are a vision. And in the second verse, he says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. So the first thing we find right away is that the words that Isaiah spoke are not only for men and women that live in the earth, but also for men and women that live in heaven. Hear, O heavens. And that includes spirits in heaven, men and women that died, went to heaven. Uh, they were judged by God, and uh, God did not you know, keep them in hell. Uh, but maybe this is for them as well. It's also for the angels that are in the heavens. Now, I want to make it really clear what this means. In the earth, you might look up and see the air, and you might call that the first heaven or something like that, according to the book of Genesis chapter 1. But also, there is the heaven. We live in the earth. You can call it earth, but you typically wouldn't say you live in earth. You live in the earth. And so for the spirits in heaven, we say that they live in the heaven. But the heavens are where the angels travel. It's kind of like, uh, you might think of it as another dimension. They cross over into another dimension. They can travel across the universe. It takes them about six seconds to travel the whole breadth of the universe. They're incredibly fast at traveling. And then they leave uh, the heavens and they can go to that world. And you might say they cross a dimension or something like that. So we call that the heavens. And give ear, O earth. So who needs to hear uh, the words of the prophet Isaiah? Everyone everywhere, for the Lord hath spoken. And that's important because God not only spoke other words, he spoke these words thousands of years ago, and so did the prophet Isaiah. And to this day, there are few who have heard. I want you to remember this word, who hath believed our report. We might get to that one in this podcast. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Now, I want to make it really clear uh, who rebelled. Everyone everywhere almost probably have rebelled, at least in uh, among the men and women that lived in Israel in the past, such as the kings, such as King David, who died and went to heaven. Uh, Angels, they have rebelled against God. And also, uh, who nourished them? The Lord God Almighty nourished them and brought them up. Whose children are they? We are all God's children. All living are God's children. Now he says here, the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. This is important because when we think about an ox and an owner, uh, the ox isn't forced into slavery and servitude and hard bondage. The ox is given food and rest and safety and occasionally does work. And I think if an ox considered whether the ox might live in the wild or live uh, with um, his owner, I think every ox, if they lived both options, would always choose the owner because it's safer. An ox in the wild might have to lift his head every five minutes and see if if a bear or a lion is coming to kill the ox. Uh, With an owner, the ox is safe. With an owner, the ox always has food. 
with an owner, the ox has rest. He doesn't have to lift his head every five minutes. Okay, so it's better. God isn't an oppressive overlord. And the ass is master's crib. Now here God is clearly talking about the angels in the heavens. Uh, the angels know that our father is God, king, lord, master. And uh, they have no complaint about that. None, not one. Okay. And so what is... Uh, and he says, and the ass, his master's crib. So what is their crib? Heaven, the heaven, where the spirits are, where the angels ought to be. But they have rebelled. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. And I'll tell you over and over again, a lot of men and women who say they speak to angels, what they're saying is, um, you know, they're talking to their guardian angel and things like that. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to say anything mean to them because there is an angel near every man and woman alive today. But I'm not talking about that. I talk to the angels and they're fucking rebellious and stubborn, just like Israel was in the past. I talked to them this morning about something stupid that they're doing on another world and they're trying to build an altar to uh, to God and then they, they decided that the evil angels and the wicked angels can, you know, offer sacrifices to, you know, false gods and the, like, they consider this to be like a 50-50 split and then other angels can offer sacrifice to God and I'm trying to explain to them that angels don't need to offer sacrifices and like that, it's fucking abominable. verse 4, God says, ah, sinful nation. We're going to go through the whole book of Isaiah. So what you can see here is that um, this is in uh, the book of Isaiah, including chapter 1, a lot of rebuke. A people laden with iniquity. Uh, iniquity, in my experience, is something that um, sickens us before we choose to do it. It sickens us in our stomach or our belly. A seed of evildoers. Now, the angels, they were made by God. So they're as far as I know, they're not a literal seed of evildoers, but they've been deceived by the devil according to uh, the word of God uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Children that are corruptors. They're trying to corrupt, and that's uh, not a joke. They're trying to corrupt each other. They're trying to corrupt the Messiah. And if they could, they try to corrupt Jesus Christ. But they can't because he's a baby, a newborn baby. And he'll be one year old next year, and he'll be in Israel. So uh, those of you that are Jewish and Christian, you need to reconcile the fact that Jesus will be in Israel. The Messiah will also be in Israel. That is not Jesus, that's me. And also the 12 apostles and the fathers of the 12 tribes. So just deal with the fact that you're going to need to make peace with your conflict about uh, Jesus, the 12 apostles, the fathers of the 12 tribes. You're not enemies. You're all God's children. And uh, we'll have peace with that soon, hopefully. They have provoked... Here we go. They have forsaken the Lord. Nearly all of God's children have turned their back on God. Now, some have returned to God. And there are two angels, I think, that maybe um, have either never done this or they have uh, returned to God. And others that maybe will never do this. There are some righteous motherfuckers out there that draw a hard line. And they're fucking cool. Okay? But many of God's children have forsaken the Lord. Not only men in the earth and women in the earth, but also spirits in heaven. And... Uh, sorry about that angels now what's important to me to say real quick because i'm going to blast through the book of isaiah real fast in a minute is this they have provoked the holy one of israel to anger now some of the angels don't want to hear this and you think to anger nope they'll hear that holy one of israel they know god is holy they want to call him the lord of hosts and uh, so I keep telling them that he is the Lord of Israel, the Holy One of Israel, something else I'll say more. And uh, they get confused by this. I mean, the even the angels don't know the word of God. 
and they can learn it perfectly in heaven. Some have Bibles and there's other ways they can learn no matter where they are in the entire universe. Right where they stand, they can learn the word of God. They are gone away backward. Okay, now this is an important thing I'll talk about in the future. So here he describes them. And uh, although we might look at each other and we might see you know, our outward appearance, what God sees is everything. He sees all things, in fact. There's a better way to say it. God sees all things. So um, when we sin, uh, we might look repulsive to God. And I don't want to get into that. So the book of Isaiah chapter 1 is predominantly admonishments. Even here where he says learn to do well, that's an admonishment. They are not learning. They're not doing well. And they don't know how to do well. I mean, these are predominantly admonishments. In the book of Isaiah chapter 2, we get prophecy that uh, you might like. And in um, verse 2, it reads, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Now, we're talking about not only the temple, but um, more, the mountain. Now, that you might call it the Temple Mount, and very soon the uh, Muslim bullshit will not be on the Temple Mount. Okay, that's important to know. And so we're talking about the temple there, and three... Verse 3 reads, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. So the whole world will be filled with knowledge of God, and they will know more about him. Here's what they'll say. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So these, this is an amazing verse. Now, in verse 4 and verse 5, it's kind of a prophecy of a new heaven and a new earth, but also the near future. I mean, this is going to happen uh, in the lifetime of a lot of men and women living in the earth. It's going to happen in my lifetime, okay? In uh, less than eight years, the temple will be built and the Lord will be there. More than seven years, less than eight years. So in um, the book of Isaiah chapter 2, he says a lot that I'd like to talk about here, okay? And a lot of it is future prophecy. When we get to chapter 3, I want to read to you verse 4. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. Now, King David will be there, okay? And he'll be a prince, and he'll be a king. At some point, he'll be a prince. But there are others that will be a prince. And I want to tell you who they are. Some of the 12 apostles, some of the fathers of the 12 tribes, possibly the prophet Jeremiah, and certainly Abraham, and possibly Sarah, Leah, and Rachel. And also Jesus Christ will be a prince, okay? So you might be thinking, who are the princes in, the, in Isaiah 3, verse 4? It's apostles fathers and Jesus Christ and Abraham okay and when they're young they're gonna start making decisions in Israel because in Israel they don't know what the fuck to do and I'm not just talking about men and women that are there now because many of them might die very soon in a flood but it's not from God it's from the devil read a uh, Revelation 12 and you'll find it uh, near the bottom of the chapter okay and that will happen before the um, going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem think about it what's what is there to restore Right now, it's inhabited, but if it's uh, messed up in a flood, first of all, you might want to restore it so people can live there. And secondly, uh, Jerusalem will be north of uh, where it is now in the future because um, that area will be called the sanctuary. North of the sanctuary area, still in the sanctuary, is the tribe of Levi. I don't want to explain that. Just read the book of Isaiah. Excuse me, the book of Ezekiel, uh, the last uh, probably four chapters, maybe five, maybe three chapters, depending on how you count: 45, 46, 47, 48. Um, uh, look at the land divisions of the tribes. And then north of that will be Judah and Jerusalem will be there. The temple will be on the Temple Mount. So Jerusalem will be north of that. And that's where the king will be, King David. 
and to the south will be the temple and the prince's land will be near there as well. So I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule, rule over them. So even when they're very young, uh, Abraham, these apostles, Jesus Christ, fathers of the 12 tribes, those that God, God gives to be my children that I raise will be their princes and will rule over them because the men and women that will be there soon, not only those that might come as an immigration or survive the flood, but also uh, the those that are raised from the dead, according to the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, the whole house of Israel will be there and they don't know what to do. They need someone who knows what to do to tell them. That's important because um, it's a fulfillment of this prophecy. Verse four, it's something that will happen very soon in years to come in my lifetime. And for many of you that hear this, it might happen in your lifetime as well. Um, now he says here, lower woe unto the wicked. And then there's more. And then as for my people, children are their oppressors. Now he's not talking about the princes. He, what he's saying is that they might try to find anyone to rule over them except for God. And they know they can't do it. So they might start to try to find anyone to rule over them except for God. So that's a prophecy that they've, something they've done in the past, I think, but certainly something that they'll do in the future because they're lost. Without God's word and God's law, they're like blind men groping in the way. Next, uh, we get to uh, the book of Isaiah chapter four. And he just talked about what will happen to the, these women. Uh, they're gonna do some things and uh, they're gonna be bald and they're gonna stink, okay? And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. What is their reproach? No one will marry them. Okay, these women, uh, they need to do what's right in God's eyes. And what they're trying to do is persuade a man to marry many of them, hoping that well, maybe if many of us women can find one husband, then maybe we'll find one. But that's not, what, that's not the problem. The problem is they're not doing what's right in God's eyes. And in Israel, they'll need to learn. They'll hear the word of the Lord spoken by the prophets, the apostles, by Jesus Christ, by the Messiah, that's me, and also uh, possibly by the Lord God Almighty who might speak out of the temple. Um, and here's what he says in verse two. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. That's really important because um, this might have several meanings and I don't wanna say what they are, but it's sad to think about because uh, there might be a remnant left or some men and women that wanna do what's right in God's eyes might say, you know what, fuck this place. And they might try to escape, but there's no place to go that's better. So what they might do is come near to where the temple is being built and where the prince is. And that makes a lot of sense. Some place that's better than where these bald, stinking women that are, you know, doing things that are wrong are. Some place better than where these other men are that are doing things that are wrong. And so maybe that's the escape of Israel. I'm not sure because I don't think they're actually going to try to leave Israel. Or maybe men and women that escape other Gentile nations and they come to Israel. And um, I'll be there. And God will do amazing things. In the uh, book of Isaiah chapter 4, God says, When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. So there's more, okay? And shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. The spirit of burning. So now, a lot of you Christians want to think that everything's spiritual, but that's not true. The temple is not a spiritual representation of something. It's, a, it's an actual uh, temple that will be built. But here, who's going to wash away the filth? The Lord. And the Lord um, will purge the blood of Jerusalem and uh, he'll do amazing things, okay? Now, the Lord will protect Israel. That's what verse five means. And the Lord will create every dwelling place 
of Mount Zion, and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. So there'll be a visible thing that we can see from God. God will protect Israel. Okay, so we don't need guns, missiles, airplanes. Um, we don't need the uh, modern defense technologies. We're going to have swords and spears eventually. But ultimately, we uh, trust God. You know, I trust the men, righteous men in Israel. But more than that, I trust God. And God will protect Israel. Now, the book of Isaiah chapter 5 is something really important that I, I don't want to say. But it's um, a song. And I think in the future, I'll talk about it a lot. But how do we know what the word of God means? When you hear meaning or interpreted words that I'll speak, words spoken by the Messiah. Also, if you're uh, um, really diligent when you read the Word of God, maybe God will reveal the meaning of Isaiah 5 to you. Okay, now we're getting into these other chapters, and I want to talk to you about these things. Seraphim in the book of Isaiah chapter 6 are men. They're like angels. They can travel the heavens, go to the earth, go to heaven on their own. They can go back and forth in a matter of seconds. It doesn't take them minutes or hours or days or weeks or months or years. They can do it in a matter of seconds. The place called the heaven is in this galaxy. Okay, it's not that far, but a spaceship going there might take, you know, years or longer if there even was one that would go there and no one can find it. Except for, you know, those that uh, God revealed uh, the location of heaven to, I guess that's one way to say it. So, seraphim are men. They have uh, six wings. They all have six wings. They're taller than angels. Uh, and they resemble angels. They, they I mean, they look like men. They have faces of men. They have two arms, two legs. They have eight fingers and two thumbs. You, you might say ten fingers, okay? And so that's what a seraphim is. Uh, Isaiah 7 and onward. We're going to skip a lot of these uh, exact chapters. But what we're seeing here in these passages are God's faithful promises, things that God will do. And a lot of them in the book of Isaiah, remember this, God will do these things for his namesake. His children have rebelled against him, okay? They're, some of them are filthy. Some of them just continuously do the wrong thing. Some of them worship someone who isn't God. And there's all these rebukes, Isaiah 1. They just need to hear Isaiah chapter 1 over and over and over and over and over and over again. Maybe a thousand or ten thousand times. Uh, and then maybe they'll repent or something, okay? But um, God will do miracles. He talks here in the book of Isaiah chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. Miracles. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. And it shall come to pass for the abundance of milk they shall give. He shall eat butter. For butter and honey shall everyone eat that is left in the land. Okay, this is a faithful promise of God. And it shall come to pass in that day that every place shall be where there were a thousand vines at a thousand silverlings. It shall be even for briars and thorns. Now, God's going to do amazing things that are difficult for uh, many women of the earth to understand. But when you see it, you'll say, oh, that makes sense. I don't know why I didn't understand that. The, the word of God is clear. I say clear. The, God says plain to him that understandeth. And who understands the righteous? If you want to understand God's word, be righteous. Evil men understand non, uh, not judgment. Evil men do not understand judgment is another way to say it. But God said, I think, evil men understand not judgment. And I think wicked men do not understand God's word at all. So if you're not understanding God's word, get a King James Bible, read it slow, pray about every verse, and as the spirit within you testifies of the truth, you might understand that verse in a way you never did before if you're righteous. In the book of Isaiah chapter 8, there is a prophecy here about a child. And... Um, this is important because we're talking about very specific men. Then said the Lord to me, call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz. I think that's how it's pronounced. Maybe Hashbaz. And it says here, for the before the child shall have the knowledge to cry, a bunch of stuff. Now we're talking about specific children. I want you to know this in the book of Isaiah. He talks about many different men and women in the book of Isaiah. Not every one is Jesus Christ. 
I want you to know that really clearly. Not everyone is Jesus Christ, okay? And now we get to the book of Isaiah, chapter um, 7. We get to a famous passage. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now what have we been talking about this whole time? Prophecies of things that will be fulfilled very soon, including this prophecy. Butter and honey shall he eat. We just, we just read about butter and honey. That he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. This is very, very important. This is a prophecy of something that will happen in the future. And so everyone keeps saying this is Jesus Christ. Not everything in the Bible is Jesus Christ. Okay? God can make a virgin conceive and make it so a virgin conceives every time. He's not making her. He's not forcing her. But he can make it so it happens at any time. Okay? God can do miracles at any time. God can do all things at all times and in all ways. Now, next, we're talking about a child, probably another child. But I don't know. But when I see it, I'll know it. I don't know all things. Only God knows all things. But I know a lot about his word. I've been uh, studying the word of God for a long time. Now we got, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever. Now who's going to do this? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now this is important because... Christians are like, this is Jesus Christ, it's no one else. Jews are like, this is the Messiah, it's no one else. I want it to be really clear. There was only one God, and all this, though this man might be called God, there is only one God. So this might be another man in Israel that we've never seen or met. Now I'll tell you right now, me, myself, I'm called the Messiah. Many of you expect me to usher in world peace with a quickness. And things might get a lot better in a lot of ways now that I'm uh, alive in the earth and after the temple's built, when God does things. Everything God does is better than everything I can do. And I can do things better than any man on the earth that's ever lived. And Jesus will be here as well for all you Christians. So we might even see another uh, man that we've never met or known. That's important. I want you to remember that. Because a lot of you want to say that everything, everyone's Jesus Christ if you're a Christian. Or everyone's the Messiah if you're a Jew. But who's going to sit on the throne of David? King David. And I don't think King David will ever be called the mighty God. So let's wait and find out who this is before we decide. Okay, next we're going to the book of Isaiah chapter 10. Now this is important. Woe to them that decree unrighteous decrees. We're building up to things that have happened in the heavens. Also in the earth in the past. But in the heavens, something really absurd happened. Uh, Lucifer obviously declares unrighteous decrees. And it's ridiculous. And um, this happens in the earth. Okay, so now we're starting to get to a bit of a warning. Don't do these things. All right. Now here we go. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. You know who this might be? Solomon, again. Solomon's been born in the earth. Next year he'll be one year old. He's a couple months older than Jesus. I think two months older, but I'm not sure exactly. I didn't know exactly when he was born. It might be King Solomon. Again, he might have been the wisest man who ever lived in the past. I'm not on that list. Um, and you might say it was Jesus, then you guys can dispute that because maybe it's just different wisdom, okay? But um, it might be him again. What will he do? With righteousness, he shall judge the poor. What was Solomon's prayer? Who can judge so great a people? This might be Solomon again. It might be another man. See, there might be a lot of men and women in Israel that do interesting things. And if we're looking at, you know, Jesus being there and apostles and the fathers of the 12 tribes and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the prophets and many others that you've known, Sarah Lee and Rachel and Ruth, St. Thomas Aquinas will be there. He's already been born, I think. 
If he hasn't been born, he'll be born soon. And uh, then, you know, next year, I think he'll be one year old. If he's born this year, I think he will be. And um, I don't know all things only God does, but I know he's in the earth and he will be born in the earth again. If he hasn't already, it should have happened uh, about now, I think. His mother could be in labor in the hospital right now. It's a funny thought. So a lot of these men and women we're reading about in the book of Isaiah could be different men. In addition to men of renown from the past, men that you might call Bible heroes, the most famous Bible hero of all ought to be the Lord God Almighty. And you might say the Messiah, but the word Messiah is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament and used wrongly in the New Testament twice. So let's say the next most famous man might be Jesus Christ. After God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And then we might have, you know, King David, Abraham, Moses, and uh, various orders. There's a dispute about who's more popular among those. And that's cool. I mean, King David, Moses, Abraham, they might think that's cool. They're like, they're not sure who's more popular on the earth. And so now we got um, the book of Isaiah 12. I want you to remember this. The Lord Jehovah. The Lord Jehovah. The Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. I want you to remember those words. Okay, book of Isaiah chapter 13, the burden of Babylon. Now, next is Lucifer. Lucifer wants to build Babylon again, and Babylon will be built again. It'll be in uh, North East Africa. I'm talking about the continent. It'll be in Egypt. And uh, Lucifer wants to call it some other stupid name. Lucifer's a weirdo, you know? But in either case, um, we're talking about Babylon. It'll be built again. And now what does God say? The burden of Babylon. Lucifer probably wants to say he'll burden God. Lucifer probably did say he'll burden Israel. No, he won't. I've already planned the whole thing out. I've got the whole national planning, international planning, national development, tribal land planning. I got it all planned out, okay? So Lucifer's not gonna burden Israel. But here what we have is the burden of Babylon. Lucifer makes a lot of uh, empty promises and uh, he talks a lot to the angels and to spirits in heaven and he really fucks it up bad for himself. So in these next chapters, God actually answers Lucifer and God answered Lucifer long before Lucifer spoke. Now you might say, why the fuck would God answer Lucifer? Excellent question. Lucifer is a dumb fuck. He's, you might say he's a nobody, okay? But uh, Lucifer is a deceiver. And so what I'm saying is that no matter what happens, God already knew and God's already answered it. Babylon isn't going to be some big success for Lucifer. They might call it a glorious, uh, a glorious um, city or a glorious kingdom or a glorious nation or something, but it's going to burn according to the word of God in the book of Revelation. So we've got the burden of Babylon. In the book of Isaiah, I did a podcast about this, Isaiah 14. If you look at my podcast for the Isaiah 14 podcast, you'll know all about it. But basically I laughed at Lucifer because he's a dumb fuck and he can't do anything. So now we got all these promises Lucifer made. Lucifer made promises about Moab, Isaiah 15, the burden of Moab. So as we keep going on and on and on, Lucifer told the angels and spirits in, he in heaven that something will happen. God says something else will happen. And because they don't know the word of God, they don't know what the fuck to expect. And they're confused. And they think Lucifer is going to do all this dumb shit and it's not going to happen. Lucifer is going to fail. He wants to destroy Israel. He will not succeed. Uh, Lucifer wants to stop Bible prophecies from happening and he'll never succeed at that. So in the, these next chapters, Isaiah 18, 19, Isaiah 20, Isaiah 21, we got here the burden of the desert of the sea. Isaiah 22, the burden of Tyre in, the, in Isaiah 23. We're seeing things that Lucifer won't shut the fuck up about. In Tyre, Tyre is a place where they used to trade with Israel and Lucifer plans in the future 
to uh, send trade from Tyr to Israel because he thinks he can destroy Israel. We're just going to turn their boats back if they come. And if they step foot on Israel and they try to set up an altar to a false god or they try to, you know, deliver, you know, idols or I don't know, whatever the fuck they're going to try to bring, we're just going to burn that shit, put it back on their boat and maybe burn the boat, uh, like the boat on fire and then push it back out in the ocean. If it's a big metal boat, we might put a couple holes in it and then let it put out and sink to the bottom of the goddamn ocean. Okay, and if those men try to come into Israel and try to murder or commit any sins worthy of death, they're going to get a, a sharp object through their torso, and they're going to die. So these things are not going to, Lucifer's promises are not going to come to um, pass, but what God said will come to pass. The burden of Tyr, Tyr is not going to destroy Israel. Plus, I want to make it so Israel produces everything we need, and we don't need to rely on any other nation at all for anything. Although you might think it's funny, I'm considering buying some tablets or some cheap laptops from China. Because <laughs> I don't want to set up, you know, microprocessor production facilities, like manufacturing of RAM cards and shit like that. So, Isaiah 24, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. I want to make it really clear, if you're righteous, God's not going to do this shit to you, okay? So learn about righteousness. And... Um, now we're getting into some really interesting chapters. And one of the reasons people just skip through 24, 25, 26, Isaiah 27 is because they're not really sure what to read about it. Here it says, He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. This verse is clear to me. And I could talk about it for hours if I wanted. But one day I might just go through verse by verse or line by line, uh, line upon line, and uh, clarify some of these things. But you really got to know the word of God if you're going to get me to really expound upon these verses if i'm going to unpack these verses because they're deep i mean they're amazing the word of god is amazing then it's better if you've read the bible at least once i mean the whole thing cover to cover and then i can answer because to whom shall he teach knowledge them that are weaned from the breast and drawn from the milk you got to have a foundation of some knowledge in order to understand what i'm saying so this is a fun podcast i'm just going through the whole thing fast he shall cause them that come of jacob to take root Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. So Lucifer might say uh, that he's going to empty the whole world or some other dumb shit. Okay, that's Isaiah 24. But what do we get right here in the book of Isaiah chapter 27? We get what God um, will do. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. God's going to do all these amazing things, okay? God's going to do a shitload of miracles in the future. It's fucking amazing. And I'm going to talk a lot about him. I'm going to talk about God. Okay. And now, um, you know, Lucifer might try to get the tribe of Ephraim to be a bunch of drunkards. This is Isaiah 28. This might sound so obvious and clear now when you, when you read this passage. The tribe of Joseph is, is going to be uh, a fruitful bough. It's a prophecy about them. So in Israel, there are 12 tribes. And everyone that's born of Joseph will be called the tribe of Joseph. And if you're a Gentile and you want to be a, in a place that's fruitful, then you might one day come to Israel, and if you sojourn in one of those uh, places where Joseph is, you might join the tribe of Joseph. Now, it's going to be so fruitful, I guess is one way to say it. I'm not sure, but there's going to be Ephraim and Manasseh. It's like uh, two different uh, sections of land, and they're both part of the tribe of Joseph. So we'll call Ephraim part of the tribe of Joseph and Manasseh part of the tribe of Joseph. So it's both of them, Ephraim and Manasseh. Okay, now Lucifer wants to tempt them to be a bunch of drunkards because Lucifer thinks drinking alcohol is a sin. It's not a sin, but we don't want to be drunkards, okay? So how do we drink alcohol without sinning? It's easy. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. There's a long list of things not to steal, not to covet, I guess. 
Um, don't steal anything. Let me make it really clear. Don't steal, don't covet anything. Uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay, so don't break the law and maybe you won't sin if you have alcohol. So next we got um, this, woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of a frame. So if some of them do actually do this, I mean, it's their choice to be a fucking drunkard. And God explains it. And uh, I wouldn't say explains, but God spoke in the book of Isaiah chapter 28. It's clear when we think about it in a clear context. Lucifer wants to stop Bible prophecies from being fulfilled. He can't succeed. And everything that God said will happen will happen. And Lucifer will do everything that God said he will do. Lucifer will not succeed. He'll have no success, no glory, and no victory. And then he will burn. Lucifer will try. He will fight. He will lose. And then he will burn in hell for a thousand years. And after he's loose, he'll try again. He'll fight again. He'll lose. And he'll burn. That's pretty much the uh, everything that I want to say about Lucifer right now. That's a nice summary of it. So next we got woe to Ariel. We're still looking at these things. Woe to the rebellious children. Lucifer might have said they'll all rebel. Okay, we'll have woes. And then let's see what happens. Um, we can read the book of Isaiah chapter 30. And in every place where the grounded staff shall pass, which the Lord shall lay upon him, it shall be with tabrets and harps, and in battles of the shaking will he fight with it. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Does it mean never go to Egypt? No. Don't go down there for help. Don't go down there to worship false gods. I mean, Israel did weird shit in the past, so don't do it, or you might have woe, okay? But if you go down there, if you're... So, for instance, there might be prophets in the earth again. I don't think any of you listening are prophets, but maybe one day you could be a prophet. I doubt it. You can't be a prophet unless God makes you a prophet. There's no doubt. I think all the prophets have visions, and I think they all behold God Almighty and see his face. Just look at the prophet... Um, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, and read the first three chapters, it looks like Ezekiel saw his face, okay? Now, God said that Moses couldn't look upon God's face or Moses would die. And I don't want to talk about what, what God said that or what that meant. But when we get to Isaiah 31, now it's woe for Egypt. See, Lucifer said all these things that are not true. And not only is God answering Lucifer, more importantly, every word of God is a perfect word, which can be trusted by all men forever and ever. Isaiah 32, behold, a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. This is a prophecy that's, I think, pretty much everlasting or like ongoing. You know, every now and then there might be a king that fucks it up a bit. But in general, a king shall reign in righteousness. Now, a time will come when David is king in Israel. Before the day of the Lord and after the temple's built, we might say that David is king. We might even make him king before that, but uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, I want to make it really clear that this is a fucking amazing chapter. They all are in the book of Isaiah. And um, when we consider uh, this first verse, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. We can remember the princes that um, we talked about earlier in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah... Uh, we talked about um, princes that'll be my children. God will give them to me very soon. He'll uh, do some miracles and stuff. I'll be in Israel. The, the children will, will be delivered to me or something like that. And here's what God said in the book of Isaiah chapter 3. And I will give children to be their princes and babes shall rule over them. Who? Jesus Christ. Who? Apostles. All the apostles have been born, including St. John the Divine and St. Matthew. And I like the other apostles, but those two are my favorites. I like those guys a lot be honest i like them a lot they're so fucking cool and uh the fathers of the 12 tribes abraham you know i talked to some of them and you know what they wanted me to do with them as a father you know i'm the messiah so you might think like speak the word of god do miracles <laughs> or something here's what they want me to do play catch <laughs> they're fucking cool i cannot wait to see them okay so now 
uh, let's get to Isaiah 10. For he saith, are not my princes altogether kings? This is something I might say in the future. Why? Abraham, Matthew, John, King Josiah, Solomon, maybe the prophet Jeremiah. Um, there's going to be some women involved, at least one that'll be my child, a woman you've never known, and also uh, Jesus Christ. And they'll be princes. And I might one day say, are not my princes altogether kings? I mean, fuck yeah. Those are some cool dudes and maybe some dudettes. Okay? I might say, you know, that they're all princes and are not my princes altogether kings. Okay? That's just some things. Now, it's important because we're in Isaiah 32. And we're talking about princes ruling in judgment. When you get to Isaiah 32, it's really difficult to understand what you just read unless you've also read the other chapters. It's difficult to understand the book of Isaiah unless you've read every preceding verse. So when you go to Isaiah, if you don't understand something, start in chapter 1, verse 1, and read every verse. Take your time if you want. It's better maybe to go at a medium pace. I'm not sure. You just decide. But read every verse. And then when you get to that verse you don't understand, you're like, oh, got it. Now, if you want to cheat, you can use your smartphone and then search for keywords. Here we're talking about a king, righteousness, princes, and judgment. But also, I mean, every word, behold, we can search that and find every mention of the word behold in the book of Isaiah. And... Uh, reigning r-e-i-g-n a king shall reign in righteousness and uh, many consider king david to be a very righteous king in heaven uh the um, false prophet considers king david to be very difficult to tempt to sin he says king david is pious and righteous so many of you might think king david you know is an adulterer who can't be trusted but the false prophet thinks that king david is pious and righteous and both uh, lucifer and the false prophet uh tried to cause King David and Bathsheba to commit adultery. False prophet tempted Bathsheba, and Lucifer tempted both King David and Bathsheba. So here um, we have some interesting things about um, judgment, righteousness. I mean, the book of Isaiah chapter 32 is fucking amazing. And we really want to know the book of Isaiah from this point onward, especially from this point onward. And really it's better if you've read every verse in the whole Bible up to this point. So now we still have woes. Isaiah 33, woes. Isaiah 32, a king shall reign in righteousness. Lucifer might have said, a king shall reign in wickedness. Or he might have said that the king will serve me, the devil. No, he won't. A king shall reign in righteousness. If any king tries to uh, serve the devil in Israel, I will remove the king from the throne in any way that I choose. Now, what did God say? In the book of Isaiah chapter 1, he was saying, hear heavens, hearken earth. Now we're at Isaiah 34. Come near ye nations to hear and hearken ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is in therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury is upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Now, the last two verses are a faithful promise. God says things that will happen as if they've already happened. Armies will come, and God will utterly destroy them. He will deliver them to the slaughter. But what did he say? He hath delivered them to the slaughter. He hath utterly destroyed them. These are faithful promises of God about things that will come to pass. Now, in the past he's done this. He'll do it again in the future. It's a faithful promise of the future. Now, I can't read the whole chapter, but I want to make it really clear. At this time in the future now, things are starting to be a little bit established in Israel. Okay, we've got a king. We've got princes. The Messiah is there. The temple's built. The Lord is there. The Lord God Almighty, the souls of his feet will set foot in Israel. Fuck yeah. God's in Israel. Now I want to be in the earth. This place is a lot better than God's here. God's going to do a lot, uh, many amazing miracles. Yes, I'm smoking. No, it's not a sin. It's a green herb God made. And everything God made is very good. 
So that's another lie probably from the devil. If you heard smoking's a sin, it's not a sin. I'm the Messiah. I'm 6,138 years old and I've never sinned and I never will sin. Okay, next I want to talk about um, this. So the Lord's there. Now, when the Lord comes and goes from heaven, uh, the heavens or the heaven, uh, let's make it clear. Let's just say the heaven. Maybe he leaves his throne or maybe he brings it with him and comes to the earth and the temple. And you might not even see him when he does this. And you might. There might be smoke and fire and thunderings and lightnings, trumpets. You might even see angels. But I think most of the time you won't see anything. I don't know if you'll ever see him, but he's fucking amazing, okay? And I can't, I don't know everything that he'll do. But what I do know is he'll come. So who comes with him? Angels, cherubim, seraphim, sons of God. Spirits from heaven. He brings spirits to the earth often. I mean, he does this often. You can't see them. But God uh, loves them. They're his children. <coughs> so who will hear the word of God spoken out of uh, the temple? God's children, men and women that are born of a woman in the earth, angels, cherubim, seraphim, and spirits from heaven. Men and women that lived in the earth and died, went to uh, heaven and uh, were saved from hell and death. And they lived. Now they're brought to the earth by God. But also, who will hear when I speak? There will be angels there. You can't see them. I'll talk about them one day. But um, And they'll hear me day and night. Spirits uh, will be in the earth at that time at the temple. Who else will hear? Men and women in the earth. I'm the Messiah, and our Father is God, and I'm going to talk to a lot of his children, whether you see them or not. And God can talk to any of them at any time. Come near, ye nations, to hear, and hearken, ye people. So if you remember the first verse, uh, the first verse, and then the second verse, it's a vision. And then secondly, uh, it's um, we're talking about the uh, angels. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 2, it reads, Hear, O heavens. Now that's for the uh, angels and spirits in heaven. They're going to hear. It's a prophecy. God didn't just tell them to hear. It's a faithful promise and it's a prophecy. They will hear the word of the Lord uh, in the earth in Israel. Next. <laughs> Who hears? Everyone mentioned in verse 1, Isaiah 34, verse 1. Then he says, for the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. So about this time, I might start talking about the day of the Lord and God has wrath. But also, they might start trying to destroy Israel with war. And when they do this, they might uh, try different ways. Now, God's going to protect Israel. I said that. So they might try to send missiles. That's not going to work. Or airplanes. That's not going to work. Or Navy ships. It's not going to work. Then they might try to send armies with guns or Hummers or striker brigade vehicles or fast tactical, you know, force movement vehicles. And uh, they might come with, you know, sniper rifles or 50 caliber machine guns. Or they might come with... AK-47s, or they might come with uh, M-16s, okay? God's going to defend Israel, right? For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. So they're going to come to try to destroy Israel. And when the Lord's there, uh, he's going to defend Israel, okay? So when I'm there, God's going to defend Israel. He's gonna, we're going to be safe. But there's more to it than that. It's not just about those wars. It's also a time when I will start talking about the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So this is a fucking amazing word, Isaiah 34. Now you're like, why, how would you know this about uh, uh, things that will happen? Why, why would you mention the day of the Lord? Well, first of all, I'm the Messiah. Secondly, it says here, their, their slain shall be, excuse me, their slain shall, their slain also shall be cast out and a bunch of stuff. It's talking about dead bodies. Then, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Who can melt mountains? Only God, okay? And who's, when's he going to do this? God has wrath. When will there be fire from God? 
maybe before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, certainly some at the time that you might call the tribulation, according to the words written in the book of Revelation, spoken by St. John the Divine and by the Lord God Almighty, according to the word of God. But also, let's go to verse 4. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the tree. God said, God is speaking, saying, For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Does that mean he's going to start cutting angels down? the fucking sword behold I shall come down upon Edomie and upon the people of my curse to judgment the sword of the Lord is filled with blood now there's more so this is for the wicked it's not for the righteous so if you're righteous you're humble you're meek you're kind you're patient if you fear God but you don't fear men if you're brave as fuck and you want God's law to be fulfilled and you want the wicked and the righteous to be uh, thrust through with a goddamn sword because they're murderers and rapists and uh, human traffickers and child molesters and things like that then you know I don't think God's gonna uh, if God comes near you with a sword he, he might cut some other wicked motherfuckers down that are near you not you alright so what does this mean we gotta if we're gonna understand the verses in the book of Isaiah we might have to read just a few more verse 2 I talked about the day of the Lord when the wicked and the evil men will eventually die you know during and after the day of the Lord uh, then the devil will be cast into hell then uh, after those wicked and evil men die, it will be the first resurrection. Yeah, it's uh, according to the words written in the, in the Bible. Uh, the day of the Lord uh, will happen, and then there will be a remnant after that will be slain, uh, as it's written in the book of Isaiah, excuse me, and the book of Revelation chapter 19. So those of you that have doubt about what I said, just go to Revelation 19, read the whole chapter. When you get near the middle, that'll make sense. And then also uh, go to the book of Daniel uh, when he talks about um, how long it will be until the... Uh, Sanctuary is cleansed. And that'll make more sense. And one day I'll talk about that in the uh, End Times Bible Prophecy timeline. So if you're offended, just calm down. You're probably evil if you're offended. Uh, for everyone else, you're probably cool. So this is uh, amazing. I mean, God made promises not only, again, about what will happen in heaven, but also in the earth. And then God talked about his sword. Things might get so bad that men and women in the earth don't fulfill the law. Angels don't fulfill the law, and then God has to do it. All right, so when we don't fulfill the law, then we might see the day of the Lord over and over again forever. So start learning about God's law. It's fucking amazing, and I'll teach you about the law of God maybe in the next podcast. Okay, so now we're talking about really cool things, and God's going to start talking about gathering his people a lot. So here he says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. Now I make this really clear. This, this includes some men and women in the whole, that are raised from the dead. The whole house of Israel. That's Ezekiel 37. The book of Ezekiel chapter 37 in the Holy Bible King James Version. But others in Israel. There are men and women in Israel that might be consumed with fire because they just don't fucking repent of worshiping false gods for maybe years or decades. And then there might be a brief um, time that's like uh, the Babylon captivity, which is brief. I'm guessing like a few months or six months maybe at most. Okay, and then there'll be lamentations, and then they'll return, and I think that's when we'll see Zion after that. Okay, so these prophecies don't just happen once, they happen again sometimes, all right? So we need to fulfill the law and stop worshiping false gods. What does it mean to fulfill the law? Murderers put to death, rapists put to death, human traffickers put to death pretty predominantly. It gets a little tricky with that, but uh, men that fuck each other in the ass put to death. Um, murderers, rapists anyone that worships someone who isn't God I mean it's, the law is really simple 
other ones might get the, the rod they might get stripes we can uh, learn the law i'll talk about it maybe in the next uh podcast okay so we got um isaiah 36 now this is a difficult um chapter now i think this is kind of a crossover it's talking about things the dumb fuck devil prof uh talked about his empty promises definitely promises faithful promises of god and also things that i think will happen in the future and also a setup preparing us for the next chapters we're going to read about this is very important king hezekiah is a man he's a spirit and he is in heaven all right now isaiah 37 it mentions um hezekiah we're, we're learning here about men and women now we've got hezekiah mentioned another um is mentioned eliakim and uh Rabshaka, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. I don't know that uh, Rabshaka. Okay, and then we got historical stuff. But what are we reading in the book of Isaiah? Prophecy over and over again. So this might happen with Hezekiah again. Why? Maybe this sickness unto death written in Isaiah 38 is because he sins over and over again in the same way. And he needs to stop doing it. And then maybe when he's sick, then he prays to God and repents or something. You know, repent before you're sick to, unto death, men and women. And think about this. And if you are sick unto death or you know someone who's sick unto death, warn them. Tell them to repent of their sin. If it's you, you probably know it somewhat well what sins you've done. And probably you have an idea of maybe one or two or three sins that you've done that are really bad. And if you're sick unto death, it's because of God. Repent of your sin and maybe you won't be sick unto death. Or at the very least, before you're, when you're before the throne of God, you would have repented before then. And maybe you won't be cast into hell. So think about that. Uh, from the book of Isaiah chapter 38. So now we're going, I'm going to skip ahead. When we get up here um, in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, we get into some really interesting verses. In the book of Isaiah chapter 3, these are the men and women that have been beheaded for the witness of Jesus and other men and women, okay, um, that you might call saints. This is a prophecy of after the day of the Lord, after the devil's in hell, after the first resurrection. But also, I'm going to try to prepare you before then as much as I can. This is to prepare men and women for the kingdom of God when he makes a new heaven and a new earth. The kingdom of God in the earth. When the city of New Jerusalem, a fucking enormous city that is 1,245 miles tall, is in the earth. 1,245.045954.045954.045954 miles tall and wide in both measures. Wide in you know, breadth and width or whatever you want to call it. And um, it's the same measurements on, in you know, three directions. It's fucking enormous, and it's fucking incredible to see. I've seen it more than once. In fact, when uh, God made me 6,138 years ago, it was, it was one of the first things I saw. In a way, it was the first thing I saw. I looked at my hands, turned them over, looked at my feet, took a couple steps forward, and I saw New Jerusalem in the distance when I stood uh, in heaven. I was on the top of heaven. Uh, and New Jerusalem is uh, far away in the distance, and it was very far, and it's fucking enormous. And uh, it's cool because I look forward to that. Uh, one of the first things I saw was a faithful promise of God. I had hands. God made me. I had hands and feet. I turned them over. I could see. I lived. I was alive. I see now. I'm alive. It's a faithful promise. God made me. He gave me life. And I saw New Jerusalem. God will make a new heaven and a new earth, and I will have everlasting life. God is a God of faithful promises, and he made that promise to me the moment that I was first made, the moment I first lived. 
in uh, the heaven. Yeah, my first moments, I might say, is the way I might say in the future. He made that promise to me in my first moments. He's fucking amazing. Okay, so in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, we start getting into stuff that the, the Messiah will speak, and I think also other men and women will speak. It says here, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I'll speak about this verse over and over again for thousands of years. And you'll learn about righteousness, and you'll learn about the law. Because the time will come very soon when the Messiah will be in Israel. And I'll be there for the next 6,150 years, approximately, maybe more. And then uh, about that time, maybe sooner or later, probably later, God will make a new heaven and a new earth. And I'll be given everlasting life. And then I might not be among you in the same way. I'll be in New Jerusalem, in the temple of God. And you'll need to know the law. So that gives you about 6,146 years to learn the law and to learn righteousness. You know, you live life in the earth. You can live in heaven as a spirit. Maybe you'll live in the earth again. It's not a sin to live. God gave you life. It's not a sin to live in the earth. God gave you life. He made the earth. It's not a sin to live in heaven. When you live there as a spirit, God made heaven. And it's not a sin to live in the earth again. It's not a sin to live. Even though you might be confused about what you've heard about reincarnation and rebirth and all that. It's not a sin to live. God gave you life. And he made the earth and he made the heaven. And uh, he's fucking amazing. But a time will come when you're in the earth if you're given everlasting life. If you're given everlasting life. And if you're in the earth at that time. That you'll need to know the law and know righteousness. So you can do what's right. Not only do you probably want to know these things with the hope of having everlasting life. Because it's something that uh, I think is given to you. And also with the hope of being granted admission into the kingdom of heaven. But also knowing what to do when you're there. So you don't fuck it up. If you have everlasting life, you do not want to fuck that up. Everlasting life is something that can be given to you. That means it can be taken away. And in the kingdom of heaven, you might be granted admission into the kingdom of heaven. Is a grant everlasting? You want to do what's right in God's eyes. And it's way better. Everyone's happy when we do that. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. I'm going to stop right there because this is a fucking amazing chapter. And uh, so we'll start talking about uh, things about the future now. Isaiah 40. We're talking about the future. All right. Now, this is a really important passage. Keep silence before me, O islands. All right. Now, this might mean that God speaks. That's what you might think. But even if God's not speaking... Keep silence before God. All right, God's children, stop saying filthy things. Stop profaning the name of the Lord. At that time, I might say, stop profaning. And hopefully they get it. Stop profaning. Like They might be like, oh, or oh shit, or oh fuck, or oh damn. And I might be like, I'll explain to them what profanity is. Like, oh. And I might say, stop profaning or something. All right. So when we're getting into these passages in Isaiah 40 and on, you'll start to see a lot of things mentioned about Zion and men who speak. And here's one. I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come from the rising of the sun. And he shall come from the rising of the sun, shall he call upon my name. And he shall come upon princes as upon mortar, and as the potter treadeth clay. And I, I can't tell you what this verse means entirely. There's a lot. But I'll tell you right now, chapter 41, verse 28. For I beheld, and there was no man, even among them, and there was no counselor that when I asked of them could answer a word. That's you. That's every woman. That's every man. In earth. In heaven. 
in the heavens, it's all the angels. Not one of them can answer a word. If I say to you, who is God? Can you answer with a perfect word? I'll teach you. And then you'll be able to answer. Then you'll be able to answer a word. I'll answer right now. Our Father is God. The Lord is his name. He is the Lord God Almighty and the Almighty God. He is the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. He is the Lord God omnipotent and the ancient of days. He sees all things. He knows all things. And he can do all things at all times and in all ways. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He made a magnificent creation. He is the creator. He alone is God and there is none else. He is God and beside him there is no other God. Before him there is no God formed, neither shall there be after him. Our Father alone is God. Who is God? Our Father. Who is our Father? God. I know who God is. I know his secret name, what you might call the most venerable name. I know more about God than any of his children, I think. And I'd like to teach you about him. Until one day when the whole world will be filled with knowledge of God, his knowledge, knowledge of him, knowledge of his word, knowledge of his will, his ways, many other things. How to be holy rather than unholy, rather than profane. How to be clean rather than unclean. I'll speak and the whole world will hear my words. In the book of Isaiah chapter 42, we hear about a servant. What will he do? In the last chapter, God said, For I beheld, and there was no man, even among them. Who? The Jews in the earth right now? Who? Every man and woman that's ever lived in Israel who died and went to heaven? Who? Every angel who's ever, ever lived? Every seraphim? Every cherubim? The eight beasts that were before the throne? In uh, the book of Revelation, it mentions four. I don't want to say where the other four will be, but uh, in the past, there were eight. All of God's children. There was no man among any of them who could answer a word. Who is God? What is bread? They can't answer a word. Okay. Behold, they're all vanity. But this doesn't have to be this way. I'll speak and you'll know how to answer a word. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, mine uplect, and whom my soul delighteth. This is a man who can answer a word. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now, many of you might think this is about Jesus Christ. Many of you might think this is about a prophet or Abraham or an apostle or about the Messiah. This could be about any man. Who among you can answer a word? One day, if you can answer a word and if you're very righteous and very just, maybe God might make you a servant. He might uphold you. He might say that you're his elect. In the future, there might be many elect. And he might put his spirit upon all of them. And they might all bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. There might be thousands and then more. Let's hear about this servant. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. We don't go into the street and yell. That's what false prophets do. They start yelling at everyone. They want everyone to hear their words. False prophets are not invited to speak. No one invited them. We don't want to hear their words. Whose words do we want to hear? A man that speaks a perfect word. Every time. I can at times speak a perfect word. The Almighty God, Father of us all, always speaks a perfect word. Every word of God is a perfect word. And I am the Messiah and I will speak about him. I will speak about God, the Lord God Almighty, the Holy One of Israel. Now, we're nearly at an hour. So I'm going to finish going through the last chapters of the book of Isaiah in the next podcast. I'll call this part one. The next podcast, I'll call it part two.